Well, uh, as we look at uh, the book of Colossians, we're finishing up Colossians chapter 2 this morning. And uh, as you're turning there, let me just uh, encourage you to, right after the service, go to the dining hall and see Jim with them. Jim is going to be taking uh, profile pictures for the Breeze, our church management software program. This is our church directory, and uh, we want to make sure that your profile pic gets into our church directory. And uh, we will do this from the office, but we need to get your, your picture but it is a very uh, valuable tool as you learn who, who, uh, who's among us here in our church family. Well, um, we are looking at Paul's warning uh, this morning to the church at Colossae. And, uh, you know, as we, before we read, read the scripture this morning, I'm just wondering, have you ever uh, read uh, warning labels? And have thought to yourself, how silly. Why did they have to print something of that nature on a warning label? Let me just give you a few examples that I came across here. Um, this coat hanger. I don't know if you can read that or not, but do not swallow. Now, I want to meet the person who has the ability to swallow that coat hanger, but obviously... Somebody tried at one point, and so they had to put that warning label on that coat hanger. Let's look at another one. Um, now, this is a warning label for a, um, what do you call those? No, it's not a go-kart. That's, that's wrong down there. This is, what do you, trampoline, okay? This is a warning label for a trampoline. Those of you over 40 years old, okay, over 40 years old, you, you probably shouldn't get on this trampoline. You are uh, at serious risk at this, uh, at, this, at this point. Let's go to another warning label. A Chipotle truck. Notice, drivers do not carry burritos. <laughs> Obviously, someone tried to hold up a Chipotle truck at one time and demanded... <laughs> Demanded burritos of the driver. Okay, let's go to the next slide. Okay, this is a medication for your dog, okay? Alcohol may intensify this effect. Use care when operating a car or dangerous machinery. I'm glad to have that label because I was just about to teach my dog how to drive. And so uh, that's helpful. Let's see, is there another one? Okay. This is a tag on a a shirt. Before you wash this shirt, first remove the child. (laughs) I want to meet the parent (laughs) who tried to wash their child uh, while doing laundry. Is there another one? I don't think there's another one. I think that was the last one. But, uh, yeah, warning labels. There's some silly warning labels out out there. But uh, this morning, uh, we're going to be looking at uh, some warnings from Paul that aren't silly. I mean, they are balls very serious about the false teachers and what they're trying to do among God's people in this church. And so if you have your Bibles, let's look at verses 16 through 23 this morning. 
Paul says this, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink in regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions puffed up with, without reason by a sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. There were spiritual bullies in this church who were who were making people, the believers of Christ, they were feeling judged, disqualified, and less than who Jesus said they were because of their lives were in Christ. And Paul is saying that these guys are quacks. These guys are frauds. They are pretenders. Don't listen to them. If Jesus were uh, alive and, and physically in this church today, he would have called them whitewashed tombs. They look good on the outside, but they are full of dead men's bones. And they are promoting a self-made religion. And they're not going out and trying to uh, influence uh, people who don't know Christ, no, they are in the church among God people, and they are trying to proselytize uh, God's people in letting them know, influencing them, um, that Jesus isn't enough. The gospel, the cross, and what Christ did on the cross, and just by believing, is far too easy. There's more that you have to do. And Paul is saying that it's only the gospel. It's only what Christ has done. The grace of God, the unmerited favor of God. When we understand that, it's only his grace that can transform the heart. These Gnostics, their hearts weren't transformed. They were all about the outside and making good impressions of the outside. But their lives, their hearts were uncircumcised. They were full of dead men's bones. And so 
I want us to look at um, these three counterfeits this morning, these self-righteous uh, bullies who were making people feel far less than whom Jesus said that they were. And so when you look at this, uh, this Gnostic religion that's here in the first century, it's a concoction of legalism, mysticism, and asceticism. These are the three spiritual bullies that I want to talk about this morning that Paul addresses. And uh, as we look at the first spiritual bully, the legalist, this is probably where I'm going to spend most of my time on this morning, and, uh, and then we'll go to the other two. But let's look at the legalists in verses 16 and 17. Paul says, don't let these legalists judge you. And uh, Paul is talking about the fact that uh, these legalists are concerned about diet, drinking, and days. Okay? And, uh, again, this is a form of uh, uh, the Old Testament, Jewish Old Testament laws. And when you look at the Gnostic faith, it's a mixture of, of the Old Testament. And they want... These, these people to go back to the laws of the Old Testament. And if you'll focus on the laws of the Old Testament, the Gnostics are saying, you're going to be closer to God. <clears throat> and so dietary laws is the first thing that Paul mentions. Um, and what they're saying is, you know what? When it comes to the Old Testament and Luke chapter 11, verses 2 through 20, that's a good passage of Scripture to pay attention to. You need to pay attention. You need to live according to the dietary laws. Now, the dietary laws served a purpose in the Old Testament. I mean, they were good uh, before Jesus came. Uh, Dietary laws sensitized uh, people to a life of purity, uh, um, a lifestyle of, pur- of purity, and which was to lead to a moral life of purity. Paul said there were some things that you needed to avoid. Uh, there were other idle nations around them who lived a life of everything goes. And uh, when it came in particular to to pork, uh, sacrificing pigs to idols was a very big thing. And God says you need to avoid pork. That's one of the uh, unclean f- foods. And they, God was sensitizing the people to a life of uh, purity, of living set apart. You know, if you pay attention to God's laws and, and diets, uh, <clears throat> God would bless your life. Uh, You would be uh, protected from particular diseases that were um, prevalent in that day. God didn't want his people to um, eat undercooked meat. If uh, you ate undercooked meat, you could get really sick, and especially pork. And Paul says 
or the Bible says, Moses says this in Exodus chapter 15. Hey, guys, uh, back there in the back, some people are waving their papers. So let's bump it down a couple of degrees. <clears throat> All right. But this is what Moses says in Exodus 15. If you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will bring on you any, I, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. So these dietary laws in the Old Testament served a purpose. Now, there's some of you, if these Gnostics came along and uh, they said, you know, you need to avoid pork to be closer to God. If they were talking to Trevor, Trevor would say, you've got to be kidding. Give up bacon? No way. And some of you, are so, you, some of you would make lousy Jews or Muslims because uh, bacon's really important to you. But uh, these... The dietary laws went away in the New Testament. God was taking the gospel of Christ to the Gentiles. And as he was taking gospel to the Gentiles, God came to Peter in a vision in Acts chapter 10 and told Peter, Peter, you can kill and you can eat all of this. It's no longer off limits. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 8, that food doesn't commend us to God. And so the dietary laws have ceased. Now, are dietary principles healthy? Yeah. I mean, if you eat too many twinkle, Twinkies, you'll no, no longer be twinkle toes, okay? But now I've uh, kind of digressed, digressed because I think the pot is calling the kettle black. So uh, I'm not going to go there. But uh, there were dietary laws. There were drinking laws. Now, Paul doesn't tell us in this passage of Scripture what they were, but they were man-made. These were rules that people, man, came up with. These weren't rules that God made. And legalists like to make man-made, like to make rules for everyone. And here's the principle when it comes to rules. Only God can make rules for everyone. Okay? You can make rules for yourself, but you can't make rules for everyone. If you try to make your preferences everybody else's preferences, the Bible says that's being legalistic. Okay? Now, when it comes to drinking personally in my life, you know, I, I have a conviction that uh, one shouldn't one shouldn't drink, but that's my own personal conviction. That's something that I was raised up on, and I lived within those guard rails, and it's worked for me, but I can't make my preference everyone else's preference. Some of you have strong guardrails when it comes to drinking. You've seen the horrors of alcohol in your family uh, or in your personal life. 
And so you've made some, you've set up some guardrails in your life to protect you. That's a good idea. That's something that you should do. But to make your preferences everybody else's preferences would be legalism. Your guardrails don't make you any closer to God. But these Gnostics had some drinking rules um, uh, when it came to the Colossian believers. Then they had some day rules, okay? They had some day rules uh, in verse uh, 16, uh, or regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. And uh, they said, you know, you ought to be observing the feasts that the Jews observed in the Old Testament. Those, those are good. Those are important. And if you were a Jew in this church and you wanted to, to continue to observe those feasts, you had the freedom to do so. But in observing those feasts, it didn't make you any closer to God. These Gnostics were saying, you know what, you need to worship on the Sabbath. You need to honor the Sabbath. You know, the Sabbath, that, that's one of the Ten Commandments, and it's not found in the New Testament. Now, if you wanted to worship on the Sabbath, you were free to do that. But in the New Testament church, God's people were worshiping on the Lord's Day. It's not, it's not called the Christian Sabbath, okay? It's called the Lord's Day, and it's the Lord's Day is because that's the day that the Lord Jesus rose from the grave. And so that's when the New Testament church chose to worship. But here were these legalists making these people feel guilty because they weren't honoring the Sabbath. And what Paul is saying in this passage of Scripture, don't let legalists judge you. By doing these things doesn't make you any closer to God. And that speaks to my heart. Because it's easy for me to become a legalist. You know, growing up, if people weren't living according to my preferences, you know, they, they soon became my prejudices. And I began looking down on others who weren't living like me. We are free to live as God has convicted us in our hearts when it comes to raising kids and their education. You're free to raise your kids as God has convicted you. If God wants you to send them to public school, you have that freedom. God wants you to send them to Emmanuel Christian School, you have that freedom. Or to homeschool, you have that freedom. Susan and I, we never homeschooled our kids because we didn't like our kids that much. (laughs) Not true. But you are free to exercise as God has convicted you in your heart. We're not. We're not a homeschool church. We're not a private school church. We're not a public school church. We're a church. 
And so you are at liberty there. I have strong convictions concerning uh, the casino issue that's come to our community. I mean, this is a really divisive subject in our community right now. I have some personal preferences. And there are some of you who have preferences different from mine when it comes to the casino. But I can't allow my preferences to become my prejudices or put my preferences upon you. That would be legalism, and it is my responsibility and and your responsibility for us to love each other. Worship. You know, people in church have strong views on styles of worship. We have different preferences. Guess what? One isn't any better than the other. The important thing that when it comes to our worship, that it is all rooted in Jesus Christ. Amen? It is all about Jesus. And so Paul's saying, don't let the legalists make you feel guilty. Don't let them judge you, control you. Because in Christ... When Christ came, he fulfilled it all. He did away. He fulfilled all the laws of the Old Testament. And when it came to diet or drink or days, Jesus fulfilled it all. These things are merely a shadow of who Jesus is. Now, I've got a illustration I want to share here this morning. Did I see Madison here? Madison, are you here? Surrette, come on up here, Madison. Okay. Madison, how old are you? You're 12 years old. Okay. I've got some examples up here that uh, I don't know if you know if if you know these things or not. Okay. If you don't know them, that's great. Okay, come on up here in the light, okay, so that the camera can see you. Now, I've got this thing here, this box. Can you tell me what this is? A tape? What kind of tape? (laughs) Yeah, don't you feel old? You ever used one of these tapes before? You've never used one of these tapes? Oh, these are great tapes. Madison, I mean, if you want to watch a movie, you can re, you can wind it, and you have to wind it, you know, several times to get to the spot you want to watch this movie. Oh, it's, it's a wonderful tool. It's, it's a videotape, okay? Let's see. I think I've got another thing up here. Okay? Madison, you know what that is? You, you don't know what that is. It's a tape. What kind of tape? No, not a videotape. It's a cassette tape. (laughs) And it acts a lot like a videotape, but it's just audio. It doesn't do any pictures. You just listen to it. Uh, It's just audio. But, uh, yeah, that's an audio tape. Isn't that cool? (laughs) Let's see. Do I have something else here? Um... 
Oh, I want to tell you about this videotape. You know, when my son caught Kyle before he was born, we had a sonogram made. Uh, we had a sonogram of Kyle, and we put it on videotape. And uh, you know what I did with that videotape? Put it in the tape player one day, and I videotaped the 49er football game over the sonogram. Was my wife pleased? No, I was, <laughs> I was in a lot of trouble. So let's see, I've got, I've got one more example here, Madison. You know what this is? You don't know what that is? That is, I don't even know what this is. <laughs> what? Negative, thank you. I was going to say film, but it's a negative. And you know what you did with negatives? <laughs> if I can remember this, <laughs> you would take pictures and you would put it on film, and then you would take this film to the, uh, to the Photoshop and the developer, thank you, and they would develop pictures, and then they would give you these negatives, Okay. Now, folks who know what this is, if you went on vacation and were to show your friends what happened on vacation, would you show people your negatives? Oh, look at my beautiful negatives, huh? No. You would show them the pictures, okay? So have you ever used negatives before? No. Well... Madison, thank you. You proved my point this morning, and you were excellent. Let's show our appreciation of Madison. You can be seated. You know what? Jesus. I mean, everything we see in the Old Testament, all these laws, these food laws, these day laws, these diet laws, uh, they were just shadows of Jesus who was going to fulfill everything. You know, I tried to convince my wife about the videotape and the sonogram. Dear, you know, the sonogram, it's just a shadow of the real thing. I mean, we've got Kyle. That's the most important thing. Uh, That didn't fly with her very well. But when it comes to Jesus... Jesus is our everything. Paul says in verse uh, 17, these are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Don't let legalists guilt you, control you, judge you. If you have Christ, you have everything. The second bully that we see in this passage of Scripture is the mystic. The mystic is the person who wants to convince you that you're not spiritual enough, that you're disqualified, that if you want to be close to God, there's more that you need to do than just believe in Jesus. Now, when it comes to mysticism, 
We're not talking about Christian mysticism here. We're not talking about the mysteries of God. When we talk about the things of Christ and growing in the grace and knowledge of who Jesus is and growing in the gospel, that is something that we need to study and that we never are to tire of because you will never come to the end of God's love that he has for you. We need to continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. And as we grow in the grace and the knowledge of Christ, that doesn't mean that we get more of God. No. We have all of Jesus that we will ever need. He has us and we have him and our lives are in Christ. So we're not talking about Christian mysticism here. But the mysticism that Paul's talking about is Christ isn't good enough, and there's more that you need to experience. It's, a, it's a, a, an experiential religion. And Paul talks about angels and visions and sensuality. If you're in a charismatic um, church, They'll probably talk about speaking in tongues, that you need to experience the gift of tongues because until you uh, are able, God gives you the gift of tongues, you're not spiritual enough. You're disqualified. Folks, you don't have to speak in tongues for God to use you. Do I believe in the gift of tongues? Yeah, I don't have that gift. And we don't exercise that gift publicly in our services. Everything we are to do publicly in these these services are to glorify God and not be confusing to people on the outside who, who visit us, who are here. But you don't have to have these experiential things to be closer to God. Paul mentions angels, visions, and sensuality. Oftentimes in these cults, it, lead, it leads to a sexual sin, sensuality. None of it is rooted in Jesus. It's all their personal preferences outside the word of God. Paul says in verse 18, he says, Uh, Verse 19, not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. Our lives, our church, our personal walk with the Lord, everything we do is to be rooted in the person of Christ. He is the head. And if you want to grow spiritually, you need to stay connected to him. You've got to keep your arms wrapped around him. And that doesn't mean that if you let go, that he lets go of you. No, you're sealed. But you've got to stay focused, committed to him. You have all of Christ, and Christ has all of you. So uh, there is the, the mystic bully, 
And then number three, there was the ascetic bully. And what Paul is saying in this passage of Scripture in verses 20 through 23 is, church, don't let anybody enslave you to self-made religion. When it comes to asceticism, there is a spirituality of subtraction. Okay, if you want to be closer to God, there's, there's a list of things that you need to avoid. Don't do this, don't do that. And uh, the more that you can avoid, the more that you will suffer and show your true spiritual spirituality as if you're paying God back because you owe him big time. That's asceticism. And again, it's denying yourself. It's man's legalistic way of trying to get to God on his own terms. The cross isn't good enough. It's about man's self-made religion, self-made improvement, self-made effort to look good on the outside. Look what he says in verse 23. He says, these have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. You can deny yourself of all these things and... and, um, and live like a slave, and live to others' expectations so that uh, you can convince them or pretend that you're more spiritual. You can put on this spiritual disguise and go through the motions and try to convince people that you're close to God. But it's not going to change your heart. There is only one person who can circumcise the heart. That's Jesus. What Jesus did for us on the cross, taking our punishment that we deserved, gave us his grace, gave us his righteousness, took our sin upon himself. When we truly understand that and have a heart of gratitude and appreciation, it's going to transform the way we live and worship and walk with him from the inside out. All these people, all these Gnostics were only focused on the outside. Legalists, mystics, ascetics. And their hearts were still hard. And what Paul is saying is don't let people judge you. Don't let people 
try to disqualify you because you're not as spiritual as they are. Don't let people enslave you. You are free in Christ. And everything you do and how you live your life needs to be rooted in the person of Christ. I want to close with this illustration. Uh, I don't know if this is a true story or if it was just a, somebody's illustration, but it's, it's appropriate for this passage of Scripture. There was this uh, wealthy gentleman who had a son who was uh, drafted into um, the Marine Corps and was sent to Vietnam. And in Vietnam, he was, he was killed um, in action. And uh, the father had brought the body back and they had held the, the son's service. And a few months later, um, there was a soldier that came to this father's door. And uh, when he came to the door, he had this uh, portrait uh, under his arm. And this uh, soldier introduced himself and said, you know what, I was, I was your, your son was my best buddy uh, in, in the service. And uh, his, his death affected my life. His friendship affected my life. And uh, I got a hold of a picture of your son. And uh, I painted this portrait. This, this uh, soldier had conversations with uh, this, uh, this father's son. This father was wealthy. He had all kinds of paintings in his home, portraits, uh, expensive portraits in his home. And his son would have conversations with this soldier. And so he... The soldier knew how important uh, art was to this father. And so he came to the door with a portrait of, uh, of, of his son and saying, you know what, I'm just an amateur painter. And this painting isn't very good, but this is from a picture that I had of your son. And I just wanted to give this to you to show you how much he meant to me. And the dad took that portrait he didn't look very good, especially against all the other portraits in his home. But this was of his son. And he put it in a prominent location in that house. Well, a few years later, that dad died. And uh, when that father died, uh, this, the estate, the father's estate, uh, came up for auction. And uh, all these paintings that were in his home, Hundreds, thousands of dollars for these paintings were going on auction. And the, the soldier who painted the son's portrait got heard of this, and he wanted to go to the auction because he was just curious as to how much these paintings were going to go for. And uh, as the uh, auctioneer got up um, to start the auction, the auction started with the portrait of uh, the son whom the soldier had painted. And there were some high roller people in this audience who were ready to buy these expensive paintings, and they saw that portrait. And they weren't impressed with that painting. But the auctioneer said that uh, uh, <clears throat> the father's estate requires us to put this painting 
portrait on the auction first. Who will give me $100 for this portrait? And nobody, nobody bid, bid for that portrait. The soldier who was in the audience didn't have a whole lot of money. In fact, he only had $20 in his pocket. He said, I'll give you $20 for it. Auctioneer said, sold to the young man for $20. And that soldier was thrilled. And then after that portrait was sold, the father's attorney came up and announced that the, um, the auction is closed. And he said this. He said, ladies and gentlemen, there will be no more bidding. My client left a secret and specific instructions that whoever bought the painting of his son would receive all the other works of art at no additional charge. So the gentleman who bought the picture of his son also receives the other pieces of art. To quote the words in his last will and testament, he wrote, Whoever chooses my son gets it all. This concludes the auction. Folks, that's who we are in Jesus Christ. When we receive Jesus, we receive it all. We received all of Jesus' righteousness. We received all of his inheritance. As the Father loves the Son, as the Father treats the Son, guess what? The Father now treats you and I. Don't let people judge you. Don't let people disqualify you. Don't let people enslave you. And the same goes for you. Don't judge others. Don't don't make your preferences, your prejudices, and treat others any less. When we have all of Christ... We have everything. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus. Jesus, you are everything. God, forgive me. Forgive me when I make my preferences, my prejudices towards others. That's wrong. You want me to develop guardrails for my own personal life. God, it's you that make all the rules. And we are to abide by your rules and not our man-made rules. God, show us how to live that out personally. And help us to always be grateful for the cross. Because none of us deserved your love and your grace and your forgiveness. 
you freely gave that. God, help us through the power of Christ, being rooted in Christ, to reciprocate that to others that we come in contact with. God, when we let our light shine for Jesus, may others see that light in us and glorify you in return. That's how we'll win influence, family, and friends with the gospel of Christ. By living the way, God, the way you treated us and treat us over and over again. Father, we love you. Thank you for this time of worship in your word. In Jesus' name. Would you stand?